morning, everyone. It's lovely to see everyone here this morning. It's, um, it feels a bit strange being in a slightly gloomy uh, room with all this beautiful sunshine out. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Well done. <laughs> I'm not very good at the technical side of things. So it's, it's, it feels a bit strange to be in a, in a slightly gloomy uh, room with all the sunshine outside. But uh, from where I'm standing... Uh, if I'm not careful, I'm going to get blinded by the lights coming through here. It's glorious uh, to 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 have this this reminder of the uh, of the love of God. This this beautiful warm sunshine, this beautiful day, and this chance to meet together around God's words, around this remembrance of His love for us, and with the love that we share as part of God's family. I'd like just to read you uh, a little bit from one of our readings today. Jude wrote this. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. And that's my prayer for us today. Those of us who are here and loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus, may we experience mercy, peace, and love in abundance. We're going to start our service by praising God. And it's a, it's a hymn that I remember singing years and years ago. And just having to stop singing because I thought, do I actually believe what I'm singing? Do I believe what I'm asking God for? Not for the lip of praise alone, nor even the praising heart. I ask but for a life made up... <clears throat> of praise in every part. Praise in the common things of life, in goings out and in, praise in each duty and each deed, however small and mean. Let's sing together. Lord, we, we come with different things in our hearts. We come with a mixture of emotions but Lord, we come to this same place to meet you, the one God, and to fellowship with and to remember your Son, your only Son, Jesus. We meet together with you to remember and we meet with each other. Lord, I do pray that you will help us to encounter you today, to be challenged by you, to be encouraged and uplifted and sustained and strengthened by you. Lord God, Bless us and encourage us, we pray, by being here. And Lord, we pray for those who aren't here today. 
that even though they're not here, that they will know your love for them and our love for them. Bless those who mourn, we pray. Bless those who are lost. And Lord, we pray, restore them to a sense, a knowledge and acknowledgement of the love that you promise that you have for us. Watch over us, we pray, in Jesus. Amen. Normally I'd like to greet you by name, but it's lovely to see you all here and lovely to welcome you to be a, a part of, uh, of our service this morning. It's also good to see, uh, to see people here who were at the, um, at the outing yesterday. Not everyone uh, obviously was quite as, felt quite as, uh, as shattered as I did yesterday, uh, having cycled home. And uh, I know a few of us are suffering from uh, sore bones and, um, and aching muscles. Our theme for this month is to pray for the work and witness for those who are retired. Uh, no longer working we pray for God's blessing on Ian who is to be baptised on Friday and we do pray that uh, yeah, this, this coming week will be uh, an important time preparation for you we should continue also to pray for Jack and, and all of Mary's family uh, and we pray for John Bernani, uh, uh, for, for him, his, his personal uh, well-being, and also for all the work that he's doing in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Now, uh, Kate sent out an email in the week, I don't know whether everyone saw it, but there was a TV programme about uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and, and Kate found it very helpful to, to see, um, to get, get some kind of context of the kind of situation that, that John is living in. I don't know whether it's still available on the iPlayer, but it's, it was on... When was it actually on the TV? Was it, was it on this week? Yeah. So you should be able to find it on the iPlayer. It was Jonathan Dimbleby's African Journeys. Um, please continue to, um, to remember all those who uh, have difficulties due to, uh, due to ill health. We think particularly... Uh, of, of, of Gladys and Pauline, Marion, Bill um, also people like Alan McGaw uh, and others who struggle in, in different ways uh, Joe is preparing the care announcements, the care news for next week um, and if anyone has any, uh, anything which they'd like her to, to include please, uh, please see her um, we're going to pause now and think about um, uh, uh, about pastoral matters so uh, if anyone has any, got any things that they'd like to raise please um, please please mention it now Lord God we do thank you for the family that you've blessed us with and for the opportunities that you've given us to, to share what 
you've given us. Lord, we pray for our family and our friends. We've talked about a lot of them, Lord, and we've raised concerns and our, our worries for them. Lord, we, we think particularly for those in, in ill health and those who struggle with their faith and struggle emotionally too. Lord, we pray that you will bless them. We have mentioned names, Lord, and you know them better than we know them. Father, we pray for those who struggle with work or the lack of work. We pray for those who struggle with the demands of family or the difficulties of not having a family. Lord, we pray that each of us will know your love and that each of us will know and appreciate the blessings that are suited to us from you. Bless us, we pray through Jesus. Amen. By, by, by taking a, a lovely reading, I think, from, from the, the, uh, the book of Ruth. One of those very small books, sort of sandwiched away, sort of uh, at the beginning of the uh, of the Bible, before the uh, the big books of the of the of the law of, of uh, the history, the Samuel and uh, Kings and Chronicles. We're going to read from chapter one, which is a lovely story of family loyalty, and uh, Julia is going to read that for us. Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife named Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilian, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them. And they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? 
Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, may it be ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. I've asked uh, Dave if he will uh, read to us from Isaiah chapter 44, which is again talking about the contrast between the Lord God, uh, who we worship, and, uh, and the gods of the, the people surrounding who were just idols. Isaiah 44. But now listen, O Jacob, my servants, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. One will say, I belong to the Lord. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob. Still another will write on his hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty, I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, There is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me. What has happened since I established my ancient people? And what is yet to come? Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble. Do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No. There is no other rock. I know not one. All who make idols are nothing. 
and the things they treasure are worthless. Those who would speak up for them are blind, they are ignorant, and that to their own shame. Who shapes a god and casts an idol, which can profit him nothing? He and his kind will be put to shame. Craftsmen are nothing but men. Let them come together and take their stand. They will be brought down to terror and infamy. The blacksmith <clears throat> takes a tool and works with it in the coals. He shapes an idol with hammers. He forges it with the might of his arm. He gets hungry and loses his strength. He drinks no water and grows faint. The carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker. He roughs it out with chisels and marks it with compasses. He shapes it in the form of a man, of man in all his glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. He cuts down cedars, or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest, or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. It is man's fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. But he also fashions a god and worships it. He makes an idol and bows down to it. Half the wood he burns in the fire. Over it he prepares his meal. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. He also warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I see the fire. From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships. He prays to it and says, Save me, you are my god. They know nothing. They understand nothing. Their eyes are plastered over, so that they cannot see, and their minds closed so that they cannot understand. No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, Half of it is used for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, Is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Remember these things, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. I have made you. You are my servant, O Israel. I will not forget you. I have swept away your offences like a cloud. Your sins, like the morning mist, return to me. For I have redeemed you. Sing for joy, O heavens, for the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forest and all your trees. 
For the Lord has redeemed Jacob. He displays his glory in Israel. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord. Who has made all things. Who alone stretched out the heavens. Who spread out the earth by itself. Who foils the signs of false prophets. And makes fools of diviners. Who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense. Who carries out the words of his servants. And fulfills the predictions of his messengers. Who says of Jerusalem, it shall be inhabited. Of the towns of Judah, they shall be built. And of their ruins, I will restore them. Who says to the watery deep, be dry, and I will dry up your streams. Who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and will accomplish all that I please. He will say of Jerusalem, let it be rebuilt, and of the temple, let its foundations be laid. Thank you, Dave, and thank you, Julia, wherever you've gone. We're going to sing now of the love that we've spoken of earlier. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, I give thee back the life I owe, that in this ocean, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer fuller be. Now it's with great pleasure that I ask uh, Ollie to come up and, uh, and speak to us. Morning everybody. Morning. Has anybody remembered that it's Father's Day? Excellent. Did you give anything nice? Did you get anything nice? Some things. Okay, today is what the world recognises as Father's Day. And it started when, um, in June 13th, 1910, through the efforts of Sonora Smart Todd of Spokane in Washington. She was listening to a church sermon at Spokane Central Methodist Church um, in 1909 about the newly recognised Mother's Day. Dodd felt strongly that Father's Day needed recognition as well. She wanted a celebration that honoured fathers, like her own father, William Smart, a civil war veteran who was left to raise his family alone when, his mother, when her mother died. Dodd was the first to solicit the idea of having an official Father's Day. The observance to honour all fathers, enlisting help from the Spokane Ministerial Association in 1909, she arranged a celebration of fatherhood in Spokane on June 19th. Young members of the YMCA went to church wearing roses, a red rose to honour living parents, the living father, and a white rose to honour a dead father. Dodd travelled through the city in a horse-drawn carriage, carrying gifts to shut in fathers. Isn't that really nice? Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train the child in a way he or she should go, and when they are old, they will not turn from it. So she obviously was brought up really well 
and had respect for her father, just like we have respect for our mothers. Now my dad was killed in a car accident when I was 12, and the last time I saw him was that morning before I left for school, not knowing that halfway through the day that I'd lost him. So grateful for the memories we have, and the big bear-like hugs that he gave us, and every morning we came down and we had made tea together. So we had lovely family holidays, and lots of hugs, and that's what a good father can do, is good hugs, and be there for the children. My dad's dad, my granddad, is nearly 85. He still drives, and he and my grand live in, in Wales, near Swansea. We talk regularly, and it's wonderful that we can still have that chat, even though we've lost that link between us. We've made it up through getting to know each other more on a child level than a grandchild level. So using examples of how he is with, with my dad when he was bringing him up, and also having a stepdad and a father-in-law who have parental advice in different ways, God has given me a balanced teaching of fatherhood. It's not necessarily the biological father. It's someone who can be there for that child and help them and bring them up. Proverbs 6, verse 20, the NIV says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. That's really important. And today's sociologists are saying that fathers are the weakest link in families because of their relationships with their children. Their mothers having such an intimate relationship with the child when they're bringing them up in extreme circumstances, the father can sometimes feel left out and jealous. But God created both men and women to be different so that the mother can come to terms, for instance, when a child leaves home because of the support from the father. He gives that support to her because his relationship is slightly different to the mother's and he can help the mother come to terms with that. Ephesians from the ESV 6 verse 4 It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And Genesis 18 verse 19 from the NIV says, For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Really important verses we can remember. And they don't really need explaining. Just need understanding and listening to. And just have them readily available. The parental role of love, respect, security, responsibility, a supporter... And humour are all essential for a Christian parent. And God does all these things for us too. He has humour and he's responsible for looking after us. But we respect him and he's our security. The three things that are useful to remember is UFO. And this is someone, what someone told me uh, when they were instructing me for baptism. It's not a weird unidentified flying object at all. It's understanding, faith and obedience. I found a verse for Father's Day. It's quite appropriate. Fathers have a special role in each young child's life to mould and shape them to become a follower of Christ. Show them the Father's heart and help them understand how God's love can be their guide as they take him by the hand. We're going to read John 14, verses 1 to 14 from the NIV. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I would have told you. 
I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know that the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father that what will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father, living in me, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now verses 15 to 19, I'm going to read from the message because it, it reads it a bit differently. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he will provide you another friend so that you always have someone with you. The friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world cannot take him because it doesn't know, so it doesn't have eyes to see him. It doesn't know what to look for. But you know him already because he has been staying with you and will even be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I am in the Father and you're in me and I in you. Now the world, those who do not accept Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, don't have the Father. From their human perspective, why do we need someone telling us what to do? Why can't we just be us and do whatever? From God's perspective in heaven, it's life in him through Jesus, or death without. He has called us, but it's our choice to accept. But know that Jesus, like God himself, is truth and life, and yet he remains distinct from God and is the way to him. Now John 14, verse 9 to 11, where Philip asked what, um, he said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. That isn't enough. Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What sort of friend is that? It's wonderful. No one else has such a good friend. We have Jesus. And he is in the Father. We are in Jesus, and we are God's children, but remain in Jesus. His Son and our brother, Master and Saviour. Not allowing us to be orphans, as we grow in him as branches producing good fruit on his vine, which we have been grafted in, and God is growing the vine. John 15, verse 4 to 9 from the NIV. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. <coughs> By remaining in his love, because whenever God closes one door, he leaves another one open for us. That's why unbelievers don't want this God factor, because they want to have the control to open and close their own doors. Why is, which is why fathers aren't a key figure anymore in some families, unfortunately. They don't work because they don't want God, but they do need a father. Matthew 7, verse 7 from the NIV. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. So we need to continue to ask God, seek God, and we'll find his supporting, encouraging and loving hands in which we are held. And he will lead us by the Spirit to show the world in the way we live, act, talk and walk. And that we are the sons of God and co-heirs of Jesus Christ. I find it hard sometimes especially working around people that can say naughty words and act strangely. It's really hard to keep that spirit shining, but just by keeping Jesus in us and knowing that God is looking after us as our Father, it helps. Romans 8, verse 12 to 17 from the NIV. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to, to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. By him we cry, Abba Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children... Then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. We can't predict what God wants for us, but we know that as a father, it will always be the best for us in any situation, as we do for our children. Our God is our Father, creator, sustainer, provider. He's a guidance in love and promises us the gift of eternal life. God's glory is so wonderful, sometimes we can't even see it and the magnificence of the amazing beauty and the world that we have, and everything we have comes from him in love, and isn't ours because it's only temporary. First to Chronicles 29, verses 17 to 18 in the NIV. I know, my God, that you test the heart, and, you, and are pleased with integrity. All these things have I given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here I have given to you. O Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Last week, Malcolm showed us about being a leader. The word leader is lead with your life. Earn respect, don't demand it. Act out loud and act in love. Deliver an internal vision. Endure your difficulty with grace and remember Jesus. 
By being a leader, God our Father leads us along his path to righteousness. Jesus shows us how to lead humbly, leading to God. Jesus leads through us through the pain and sufferings of the cross to the bread and the wine. We can encompass the above in leading others by the Spirit to God. So by trying to show the love of God through how we treat our children and how being children of God and by coming to Jesus, we can be with him and we can shine that light to others around us. There's a verse in Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Philemon and Romans and it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this song that we sing quite often goes, Abba Father, let me be yours and yours alone. May my will forever be, evermore your own. Never let my heart grow cold, never let me go. Abba Father, let me be yours and yours alone. Thanks, Ollie. Very much appreciate your thoughts. And, and where you've led us to. Originally, I'd got down on on the the, the uh, my choice of hymns was that we would sing. Father God, I wonder how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood. But I'd like us to sing, Abba Father. Ollie has reminded us of the importance of fathers and the the role that they have to play in our lives. But we all know that our human fathers are not perfect. Uh, you only have to ask Beth uh, that, and she'll give you chapter and verse as to our imperfections. But we're a mixture of good and bad, of careful and careless. Fathers are, as Ollie very honestly and painfully pointed out, fathers are not always present for, for many reasons. So in terms of our role models for fathers, we have to look at our Heavenly Father. The Father who is shown to us so clearly in that wonderful parable of the lost son who when he saw the, the child that had been missing for a long time the child who had said to his father father effectively I wish you were dead I want my money the son who went away and squandered that money 
but eventually came back. The father who was scanning the horizons for the son to come back and when his father saw him was filled with compassion and ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That father whose love was boundless. That father whose love for all of his children meant that he was prepared to allow his son Jesus to die on the cross. We're going to uh, give our thanks for the bread now through our brother Steve. Father, turn your face now to your children and may it shine upon us. Turn your ear to us and hear our prayer. We magnify your name because you are a marvellous God. You're not a lump of wood or a piece of stone. You are God. You are the creator. You have not been created. Lord God, you do amazing things. Your decrees and your laws and your words are perfect. The world that you made was perfect because you saw that it was good. You're involved in our lives. You interact with us. You reveal yourself to us. Lord, you stretch our imaginations. You challenge our understanding. You are our God. Father, thank you for this bread. Not because it fills our bellies or is a meal. But because it tells us of your son. It reminds us of his body. And it fills us with your spirit. As we accept you in our lives. And what you have done for us. Lord Jesus. You talked about love. You told people about love. You used lots of words, but you backed it all up with action and left us in no doubt that you are the son of your father. And in all you did, you continued to reveal your father to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. And I pray that as we share this bread amongst us, that we reflect on all that you have done and continue to do that you continue to fill our hearts with hope and longing for you to come back. Continue to bind us together in your name. Father, hear now our prayer. Amen.
the sharing of bread and wine is something that Jesus instituted the night before he was betrayed. It was with his disciples who were committed to him. And he instituted it as a as, as something for those who are committed to him, to following him, to share until he returns. For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup. We're going to offer thanks for the cup through one Pablo. Father, we remember that uh, in a morning like this, in a glorious day, your son came back to life. And Father, this has given us the sense of first the fatherhood that you have shown us and the brotherhood that we all share in the faith in our Lord Jesus. Father, he came back to life to give us the hope of eternal life. For this, Father, we are grateful and pray to you, especially now that we take the cup, which reminds us of this sacrifice that he went through to bring us this hope. Father, we thank you for the fellowship we have with one another, and especially with our Lord Jesus and you. For this, Father, we pray in his name, in gratitude. Amen. He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to close our service now with a prayer, but before we do, we're going to sing a hymn. And before we sing the hymn, I'd like just to read another verse from our uh, other readings for, for today from Jude. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.
We're going to sing, Lord, impart to us thy wisdom, zeal and strength and courage too. Let thy grace and help be near us in all things, whate'er we do. Andrew's going to close in prayer for us. Loving Lord our God, with those words on our lips we come to the end of our time together. Help us, Lord, to think about the ways in which we praise you. For we've thought about the common things in life, the comings in and the goings out. Help us to praise you there, Lord. We've thought about you as our creator and our sustainer. And we've thought about you as our loving father. And how you brought us in your love and grace here together this morning. It's been wonderful, Lord, that we've got this special fellowship through Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord, and help us to take these upbuilding things away with us into the week ahead. A week that for all of us holds unknowns. Some of these unknowns loom large in our lives, Lord. We pray that you will steer us through them, give us strength and faith to cope with life and not to fail you. And it might be a mundane week that many of us face, Lord. Help that mundaneness to be en enriched by remembering you in the way we live our lives. So thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you for your word, for the hymns, and for one another, and for most of all, for the saving love of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Lord. Amen.